0: Welcome to the Cork
1: Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message.
2: Delighted well, that you're joining us today for Streams in the deserts and the conversation with Cork Church pastors and a wonderful invited guest speaker this morning, our guest not speaking, but just sharing his heart. Patrick Dow from Nicky Cruz Ministry. So, hey, hey to you, Patrick Dow. Hey, good, good to see you, man. How are you doing?
1: As well, doing well, doing well. So, so appreciate this opportunity and great to see your faces.
2: But you should have been saying you should have been kicking back to the old to the old terms and saying top of the morning to you. Top of the
1: morning. I, it is a fine morning here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patrick, you, you you do before I give you more introduction. You do have some Irish roots in you. Come on, share a little bit with the, with our uh, our viewers this morning. Well,
1: you know every American is Irish. Um, I'm convinced of that because everybody, regardless of color, that I've met, that go, yeah, I, I have an Irish. You know, like once. One sixteenth in my bloodline but um i had two great-grandmothers emigrate from ireland uh probably in the 1880s during the second famine and um on my father's side we kept in touch with that uh, that family line they're in longford so i still have cousins in longford wow. i don't get to see them that much so um but the rest as as most americans were i'm a mutt but i i uh, <laughs> the, irish, the irish part tends to manifest most prominently amongst all the uh, ethnic uh, uh, people swimming in the gene pool here. So, yeah. so how did the you name Dow come about then? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I've never figured it out. I mean, Dow, I think is Scottish. At, you know, it's it's Gaelic. It's Dubh, D-U-B-H, black, black hair, oh, black. Okay. Yeah, Dublin, yeah. yeah. um, Dublin. Yeah. I, so, I think that was my father's side. They came through Canada, and uh, that, there was some Scottish people in that jumped in line there with the Irish. But uh, it was Hurricane um, originally in the eighteen eighties, and they changed it to. Um, summers when they came to america at, uh, to more anglicize their last name there to uh you know to fit in better i guess so yeah, yeah, yeah we love ireland and my wife and i um during our honeymoon 31 years ago we spent a couple of weeks with in ireland traveling around that was before we knew you all or else we would have come knocking at your door back then so
2: yeah um, yeah wow well, listen, we're so delighted you're hopping on today just to have a chat with us and to bring us up to speed, what's happening with Nikki Cruz Ministries and with Truce, but maybe a little bit of background, Patrick. I mean, um, how did you get saved? Give us a little bit of just kind of fill in some of the blanks, some of the textures of where, who you are today and how you arrived there.
1: Sure, sure. I'm, I, um, I'm an only child and still am as far as I know. Uh, so I grew up in um, Ohio in the uh, 60s and 70s. I was born in 1960. Do the math. Um, if you can do it that quickly this morning but um <laughs> i was um like i said I was an only child my father was uh his side was catholic my mother's side was uh, pentecostal holiness no clue how they got married or why but they did and um both i knew both parents loved me they didn't love each mm-hmm. other they had uh problems you know pretty much from the outset my father was a serial uh a lot of things you know he he, uh, he was an alcoholic and a uh mm he was unfaithful, but I knew he loved me. You know, he took care of me. It was just a, and that side of the family was very, uh, very unique. That was the uh, more heavily Irish side of the family. My, he, he was the youngest of five or six kids. His father died in 1942 when he was 12. So my father didn't really have any kind of, uh, masculine image in his life was a self-made businessman and did well, um, except two things: the bottle, and then he didn't. He figured he didn't have to pay taxes, and so of course he lost his business and went down oh. out from there. But anyways, you know the um, we were he and I were close. My mother is still alive, but I was, so I grew up in a in a in a it was a fairly good home except for, I mean, I was oblivious to a lot of the things that were happening with them Mm. um, until I got a little bit older, but I was an athlete. I was a good student. And um, but then my friends, when I was 14, you know, we, we discovered this thing called alcohol and marijuana little town i grew up in a town of about thirty thousand. we were isolated my world was literally you know three miles wide i just i didn't know anything beyond that i didn't know anything it was just that the world back then in the 60s and 70s was very very small in america and it was real it was a very you know we were in a farming part of the country so it was just you know you just grew up and you played sports you you rode your bikes but um you know Sin finds you, you know, and and we're prone to that, and yeah. I was open to that. And so I you know i started I started drinking fairly heavily at at those you know at the age of fourteen and fifteen, and then marijuana came along. And we didn't really go to church. My mother had taken me a few times. We'd go to the, you know the high holy holiday, we'd go to you know Easter and Christmas. So I kind of had an idea. And my grandmother, who was Pentecostal holiness, was never heavy-handed with me, which for which I'm grateful. So I had a praying grandmother and a praying mm. mother. Um, and they were very winsome in their presentation of the gospel to me. It wasn't, you know, you, you know, but it was like, come and see the Bible is great. You, you know, there's there's a God that loves you. And so I was like, yeah, OK, I, I wasn't against that, but I was having way too much fun over here. <laughs> 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 but fun is only only lasts for a season. And so, I, yeah. you know, having gone to church a few times, I, I knew. I knew the salvation story, and I realized I was a sinner in need of a savior at that young age. And it was the Holy Spirit. Jesus was finding me. You know, I wasn't looking for him, I was lost. And I don't know why or how, it was only the Holy Spirit, I started reading the Bible just in my bedroom. And the way I got saved, I got down on my knees in my bedroom in Marion, Ohio, in the middle of nowhere, and repented. And Jesus saved me. It's it was a sovereign salvation uh experience. And then several weeks later, um uh, we had started going to church, my mother's assembly of God church. We started going there, and my girlfriend's Lutheran church. So I had this Luther Costal mixture, Lutheran and Pentecostal, so which is good. <laughs> you're more
2: like you're more like deformed rather than reformed. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I'm deformed. I'm I don't know where I am. That's something.
2: Deformed
1: theology. <laughs> And so a, a, a few, I, you know, a few months later, uh, this man called David Wilkerson came to my hometown, and he, you know, he rented out the Coliseum there, four or five thousand people, I, I imagine, and uh, it was there I went forward publicly to, to uh, you know, proclaim, you know, accept Christ publicly, and then we didn't have a youth group in my that I knew of in my hometown, so that was. Uh, not a benefit that I had was growing yeah. up. I, I had a church I went to, but I didn't really have any discipleship. After that, after high school, I went to Oral Roberts University and traveled for three years with a music group there every summer. And then um, this was during the late 70s and 80s. After that, I joined a group called Living Sound. And yeah, they I were- Yeah, remember them. Yeah, they were founded by yeah, yeah. a Canadian guy named Terry Law. They were a praise and worship band and they started um, well, of course, praise and worship, but they would often work in Eastern Europe and go behind the mm. Iron Curtain, smuggle in Bibles and music equipment uh, and instruments into Russia, and places like that. So I was with them for nine months. We we're actually based in the UK in Guildford, in Surrey. So those uh-huh. were formative did, um, experiences. Did, did,
0: did, did you play or sing? or, or? I played the bass, yes. Oh,
1: very
2: good. Uh, before, uh, before you go on, we're jumping, out, we're jumping all over you already, but <laughs> did you ever play in Ireland? Because Living Sound played over here in Ireland in Cork.
1: Really? Because, okay, I was with that team. when.
2: I know there was a couple of groups of them. Right, um, right. Yeah, from what I remember. But they played here, actually here in the Connolly Hall, in the very stage oh, that wow. I'm sitting on today, Living Sound. That, uh, it was amazing, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah, the year I was with them, um, we were in... Uh, we played in Dublin. We actually played in U2's high school. And, uh, I, I don't know if there's a, there's a, a worship leader in Dublin. Owen and um, yeah, he that's right. his, his, his father, Jack, he Yeah. His father, Jack yeah, yeah, yeah. was the, um, he traveled with you. He was like one of their high school teachers. He's an Anglican was an Anglican pastor. He's passed, Yeah. but we, st- I stayed with him and, uh, got to meet Larry Mullen, the drummer, because I was a big fan, still am. And um this was in the eighties. And so we played in their high school. And then we uh we went out to Longford and played in my cousin's cathedral, St. Mel's Cathedral, you know, Catholic Cathedral. That was interesting. And then we also went up to um to the north and played in several churches there. Mm-hmm. But Jack Heeslip used to travel with you two as their chaplain until he passed mm-hmm. a few years ago. So mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: wow. And then uh so then, so that was in the eighties. I uh, finished my undergrad at Oral Roberts University and I met my future wife, Alicia, who's Nikki's oldest daughter. In 1983, we were uh, in Amsterdam, Holland with Youth With a Mission. And so we both lived in Tulsa City, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma at the same time, didn't know each other, had mutual friends, met in uh, Amsterdam in 1983 and then uh, three years later, started dating, and then got married three years later after a series of background checks from Nikki. Which <laughs> I, I still have to go through background <laughs> annual background checks and body cavity searches—the whole thing. So, uh-huh. so we've been married. My wife and I've been married thirty-one years, and uh, um, coming the, thirty-two coming up in July.
2: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. What a great story. Uh, just, just because I'm, I, I'm. Uh, this is from me. Because you've traveled a lot. You've known a lot of musicians and stuff. Did you ever get to meet Bob Dylan, by the way, because you know I'm a big Bob Dylan fan? Ah,
1: I wish. Not yet, no. All ah, right, okay. Yeah, I remember Slow Train coming and, uh, you know, the, yeah. all the albums really, but in the 80s, everybody yeah. was like, yeah, he's a Christian. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's just wonder you ever bumped into your journey. But so so you ended up working with Nicky. Uh, you, mar- you married his daughter. Uh, I, I don't think you've ever met your wife. So uh, you were not yet, married. Yeah. You, had, you had your family. So you're working now with Nikki for how many years uh, with Cruise Ministries?
1: i uh, going on 31. July 1st will be 31 years.
2: 31, 31. Nice, well, you know, for us, of course. I mean, our introduction to you would have been through the the common friend, David Wilkerson, and mm-hmm. Times Square Church, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just a relationship. I, I call it the family, really, because it's, it's, we're all kind of in that sort of family friendship of churches. It's not a denomination. It's a, it's a relationship of churches and individuals is. that have caught the heart of the new covenant, put the front and center. It's about the lost first. You know, uh, We're here for, for the purposes to reveal Christ to a broken world. So, uh, it was great. A number of years ago was the first time we brought Nikki Cruz into our Summefar conference, and you came with him, of course. And uh, I was just telling you before before we went live, what a uh, what a wonderful encounter that was for all of us because we got to see. Nikki, not just the wonderful minister he is, but behind the scenes, I had the joy of having many dinners with him, yeah. sitting with yourselves, chatting and absolutely love the character of the man that mm-hmm. he was, is, he, he's, he's winsome. He's a charming man. He's a funny man. But when it comes to the things that are serious. He's a serious man. Absolutely, yeah. So, so he knows how to dispense the stuff that's not serious and be natural with people, and I love that about him. And I yeah. love that about you too, Patrick. But do, can you remember your first encounter with the Summerfire conference? How was what sort of experience was that for you and for Nikki? If you can speak oh, on his when, behalf, you know?
1: sure, sure, yeah. Nikki's um, um, that we hold the, the great memories from that event. We love love that opportunity, and hopefully, you know, God willing, we'll be back again. But I know Nikki Nikki loved it. He, you know, he just like you said, he's he, he he's, he's childlike in so many ways. He he's, he has a great love and joy uh, for life and appreciation for life. And for people, he loves people. He came from a family of, you know, one of 19 kids. And so he's used to, yeah, I'm an only child. I like to put me in a quarter with books and some coffee. I'm, I'm perfect. He's, he thrives, he thrives, absolutely feeds off, you know, human interaction. And that yeah. works well with sinners because he loves people and if they're not mm-hmm. saved, he loves them even more. And that that's so attractive. But um, just being with the pastors there and the people and the genuineness and the hunger and seeing the uh, the great work that, that Cork Church is doing in uh, in not only in Cork, but all over Ireland. And then your mission work, feed feed Cork and everything. And Patrick, you know, got to know Pastor Patrick, of course. Um, I think I did the youth, spoke to the youth, which started at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm not yeah. that young anymore. That's, I turned into a pumpkin at 830. And I'm like... Eleven o'clock at night, and <laughs> I realized, a graveyard
2: shift. <laughs> I know what it was. Yeah, I was paying my dues there, but it was
1: just to see your youth and yeah, uh, seeing their hunger for God, um, because you know there's, in spite of what we see with the youth, the, the, this urban culture around the world. You know the, you know the urban culture is not geographically isolated anymore. The ghetto's not geographically. It's because of TV, MTV, because of culture, movies, the urban culture for good, for bad is everywhere. And so kids are dressing like inner city kids from New York and stuff. And so to see the, and with that comes hopelessness uh, sensuality, you know, experimentation with, and turning their back on God, because that's that's preached, as you know, from every pulpit, every secular pulpit, to us. And so, to see your youth, hungering for God, holding on in spite of this onslaught of lies from the enemy, and and just mockery sometimes that that we get for being Christians, it was so heartwarming to see it. And uh, the, the, the love the Summer Fire Conference. And I know Pastor Michael's been there number of times and you know pastor carter and pastor all all of our friends as you mentioned so for the one time we were there it was precious
2: for for me Nikki, and i think stephen would say the same you know because we kind of are children of the Late 60s, I'm, I'm a few years younger than you, and but not too many. But um, our, our pedigree, uh, did I hear Kira La- Linsky laughing in the back? I heard there? it too,
1: like with my, yeah, did with you hear
2: laughing in the back? I did. I, that's outrageous, I did. But I yeah. And uh, I'm not, 60s, by the way, but anyway, <laughs> you know, <I'm> <laughs> but but um, and we grew <laughs> up with we, I mean, one of the books that that had a it, in it, well, two books that had an enormous effect on me as a young Christian, I was about 12 years old was obviously the cross and the switchblade. Mm -hmm. And that switched me on then, of course, to Run, Baby, Run, Nicky Cruz's book. The reason I'm saying that because many are going to watch today. And I'm so sorry that you haven't grown up with some of the heritage that we grew up with, because these 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 are Nikki alive, David Wilkerson died, were epic men of, of their time that, that in, in a culture that was drug-ridden, violent, mm-hmm. gangs ruled New York. And mm-hmm. uh, this is before Rudy Giuliano cleaned up the yeah. town. It was a, it was a dump in every proportion. It was one of the murder capital cities of the world. Um, very violent, very evil. Drugs everywhere, and, and a skinny preacher called David Wilkerson from a country backwoods nowhere mm. simply obeys the call of God. Goes right into the midst of that cesspool, and he's a skinny. He's not a big guy. I mean, you could say a big guy can, can, can handle himself. Nicky, you know, David Wilkerson was like he was like a bag of bones. You know, he, he was. was like yeah. you know, and he goes in with this. Just simple tenacity of loving people and sharing the gospel, and lo and behold, your father in law, Nikki Cruz, one of the most violent, psychopathic, you know, (laughs) guys that walked the planet, and yet he's only like five foot nothing, but yet, like, he could do an awful lot of damage, you know, and did an awful lot of damage in his young life. And yet, this preacher, David Wickerson, who we grew up at the crosses of Mm -hmm. Switchblade, Times Square Church, and many, many other books went in and the chain of events that came out of that, the millions of lives. Now, I heard that. I'm not too sure if it's true. But someone told me that Nikki Cruz has spoken to more live audiences than even Billy Graham. But uh, now, not to be compared to ministries, but it just Mm. puts you into the magnitude of God taking this man that was a a gangster, saved through the ministry of David Wilkinson, and then bring that testimony of life-transforming power in Jesus Christ mm. around the world. And now at eighty-two years old, still going strong. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah, right. you know? It's, it's I know.
0: Weird. I remember for me, like I grew up, I was reading Marvel magazines. Yeah, and and then at magazines with with Nicky Cruz. You still do, and Steven, David you still do. Stop <laughs> <the money. laughs> but but the, but these these were heroes. These these were you know. Uh, amazing, amazing testimonies to me, and I'm, I'm profoundly impacting. But yeah. I, I would, I would dare say today, Patrick, that there are a few people listening who may not know some of the testimony of Nikki Krieger. You might just sum up, you know, without taking too much time, some, sure, some sure. of the story of Nikki.
1: Yeah, yeah Nikki, of course, was born in Puerto Rico, one of uh, nineteen children. From what I understand, he was a number eight in line, and uh, his parents were heavily involved in in witchcraft it was called santeria which was a mixture of voodoo is you know west african um voodoo catholicism and some nativism too so it's very uh you know just very unique and dark and deep stuff he saw his parents do miracles he he describes them not in the name of jesus but in the name of satan and Mm -hmm. he describes his father as a satanic high priest his mother was a witch um and out of all the children uh, I mean we know now, looking back that God had s- sovereignly so you know plucked this was going to pluck this young man out of the middle of nowhere, this backwards semi illiterate um, um, poverty stricken young man out of mm. out of that mess and use him as a trophy of grace and still is using mm. him and so the, early on he, he was um, uh, you know, selected or identified by his parents, particularly his mother, for abuse, severe physical abuse, and he was beaten unconscious multiple times, and and uh, she would, you know, just spoke hateful, uh, you know, venom-filled words to him, you know, I hate you, never loved you, regret the day you were born, you're a child of Satan, and all this stuff, you know, just the, you know, we know that child is very formative, that's when so much of our our human yeah. character is formed for good or for bad. And so the, no, yeah, a lot, there was none of those um, connections or and those things that were developed. So the, he he was completely broken as a human. And as such, to, for, for self-protection, he became very violent, very hate-filled. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the age of eight, he, you know, that was the last time his mother cursed him. You know, she, you know, that's what he ran from her. And he was semi-homeless during his his pre-adolescent years there, and he became so violent, so troubled, and so uncontrollable. His parents sent him to New York City at the age of fifteen, I believe, to live with his, his brother Frank in the, in Brooklyn. He immediately hit the ground, and you know, New York, as you've mentioned, Pastor Nick was a jungle, and it's coming back. It's getting as bad as it was. I see it. Hopefully. You know, back in yeah. the fifties and the even the eighties. Believable. Uh, he uh, so Nicky got in. You know, was a survival thing. He was. He is a survivor, and was a survivor. Um, he joined, he got jumped into a gang just to, to preserve his life. And so because of his, um, you know, his ruthlessness, he quickly rose through the ranks of the gang because of his willingness to do anything, you know, violent mm-hmm. or, you know, just anything inhuman, he could do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he quickly became the warlord of the, a gang called the Mau Mau's. This would have been in the mid-50s. And this was the time when the gangs were making a um, the modern, I guess the modern gang movement was becoming... More prominent, and there were two um, large-form magazines back in the U.S. at that time. Yeah. Look it's in Life, and mm-hmm. so uh, they they had you know profiled the gang problem in New York City, and then there mm-hmm. was a high-profile murder. Um, Nikki wasn't involved in it, but um, the gangs he ran against were. So this is where David Wilkerson, in the middle of Pennsylvania, like you said, Pastor Nick was, was the Holy Spirit touched him, and, and Nikki describes it that Dave became pregnant. Uh, by the Holy Spirit with a vision and a burden to go to New York City. And he couldn't, he just couldn't, he had to say, yes, it was fire shut up in his bones. If he kept his mouth shut, he, it was just going to be miserable. So God mm-hmm. sent David to New York. Their first encounter, of course, Nikki spit on him, uh, abused him, pushed him, you know, cussed him out and everything. But um, the way Nikki describes it was that this, um, this it, it got to him because here's Nikki. all of his, you know, teenage life in New York, all he hears is the voice of his mother, you're no good, you're a child of Satan, I hate you nobody loves you so he's hearing you know that, that we hear these voices from childhood mm-hmm. we carry those voices from our formative years and here's wilkerson who comes into his neighborhood gets beat up gets threatened and wilkerson says this line that's famous you know nikki you can kill me you can cut me in a thousand pieces every piece is going to cry out that jesus loves you mm-hmm. and nikki you can't run from love Je- i'm here to give you a message jesus loves you so now nikki says the damage was done. Now he's hearing Jesus loves you. He he goes, I was mugging, lying, killing, cheating, you know, with my girlfriend, getting high, getting stoned, but it's Jesus loves you. And so the Holy Spirit was working. Several weeks later, he went to hear Wilkerson. He had a gun with him. They were ready to fight the 11 other gangs that were there, but the Holy Spirit sovereignly. Uh, Did a work that night in 1958 in New York City. And so he went on from there Dave had to get him out of New York City because he got stabbed two days later They sent him to upstate New York. He was probably the only Spanish kid in that white town They arrested him just for being on the streets. And so uh, I think it was within six weeks of becoming a Christian Remember he had no foundation. He didn't nothing Dave sent him to Bible school in California um, and that's another story in, in itself. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he met his wife Gloria. They've been married yeah. sixty years now. In, yeah. in November, they will have been married sixty years. So uh, it's it's truly continues to be a, a miraculous story of God's faithfulness and grace. Uh, uh, wow! That Wonderful. Is,
2: that that's awesome. It's it's even for me to hear it back. It's refreshing, and it's good for yeah. you to who are listening today to know that uh, you know these men that are well, Nikki's still here with us, as I said, but David Wilkerson who gone to be with the Lord, you know, it's worth picking up those books again. Um, I think two of them are two of the best written books I've read in, a year, in my life, actually. The Cross the Switchblade uh, by Nikki, by David Wilkinson and Run Baby Run by Nikki Cruz. So if you want for a good read, if you're a young Christian, you're watching, or you're a young pastor and you don't know these guys because, you know, you know they would be more vogue back in those days. I would urge you to pick up and check their ministries out because it will be a blessing to you. Tell me a little bit about what we're doing as regards uh, Nikki Cruz Ministries now, Patrick. And I know you have another kind of urban uh, outreach program called Truce, you know, so maybe you might talk a bit about that because I think that might have a lot of, you know, utility for churches, you know, how we're going to reach uh, the the world today, you know?
1: Right, and, you know, as you mentioned, Nikki's 82. He still travels full-time, and we've traveled or we we've translated Run Baby Run now into close to fifty languages five zero. Mm. Uh, my wife and I just got an email two days ago from North Macedonia, wanting to translate the book. Poland is wanting to republish it because it was mm-hmm. it was bootlegged behind the Iron Curtain into and there was this underground translation into Polish and Hungarian back mm-hmm. in the eighties that they were using to reach people there. Uh, most recently, we translated into Armenian, Georgian, Slovenian, Croatian and Arabic, sorry, Farsi. So we're looking at another language group. But uh, so Nikki continues to preach. We have this uh, book translation project to assist in evangelism um, in different language groups and cultures. And um, as he, you know, he's doing a lot of Zoom meetings because travel is is hit and miss here. But about 30 years ago, my wife and I, um, my wife's Nikki's eldest daughter. So she grew up in the ministry. She has her father's heart. She was born in Teen Challenge in Brooklyn on Clinton Avenue, her first home was at the teen challenge center there so she remembers the early days seeing her parents struggle having to pray in food having mm. drug addicts live in their home and prostitutes so she has that heart of an evangelist my wife is an evangelist and just is absolutely passionate about people and reaching the lost and so we joined the ministry in 1990 and within a couple of months she was telling her father she goes daddy we need to get you back on the street he had never less left, left the streets but you know he was doing you know stadiums and churches and mm-hmm. you know larger venues and she goes we need to to get you back and do street evangelism more and so well uh after praying you know god you know i drive the car but she gives the directions and the holy spirit speaks to my wife and i just listened i don't know if you like that gentleman but <laughs> yeah no. I, I, I i admire my wife's uh it's, it's such an intimate relationship with Jesus. I struggle sometimes and like, God, are you there? Do you love me? But she's like, yeah. the Lord's telling us this, we got to do this. Oh, and so awesome. it, it was like we need to reach the youth, we need to reach the inner city. So in, in about 1991, we started uh working with local churches in inner cities here in America and we thought what's what's a way to attract people on the street? And so mainly a self-preservation we started using urban music because if you go in there with, you know, uh, country gospel or, or you know, anything that's not urban. I'm, I'm a dead yeah. man. I'm already white <laughs> enough anyways, um, and I'm the only white guy around. So out of self-preservation, we started using urban music, hip hop, rap, and spoken word and theater. So we implemented these urban art forms as a method and a platform to present the gospel. And right. so we, we would still we would go in and just work with local churches and train them as with what with little we know and how to share your faith. It's just telling your story. We're storytellers and the meta narrative, the overarching story is Jesus always will be. And so we don't water down the gospel. We don't uh, you know, we don't believe in this woke gospel where, you know, we 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 we, we sink, you know, it's not syncretism where we're. A, you know, pulling in all these worldly god- godless ideas just to make it palatable. The gospel yeah. is wonderful and beautiful, but it's not, it's, it's very, you know, there's only one way to heaven and there's, you know, it's, it's oh, wonderfully, that's... it's wonderfully simple. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no man can come to the father except by me. And so as okay. we have, we have these youth groups that are uh, youth uh, um Urban artists, music musicians, and singers presenting the gospel we'll give a few testimonies, and one of us will get up on the street corner and give a gospel presentation, and ask people to come forward in response to the gospel. And we i have never in 30 years—I've never failed to see the Holy Spirit touch people. People are broken and, and dying, as you know, in the streets, and just. The, the struggles that are out there. So we, we did this all over the we you know, for the past 30 years, we've done this in America in the biggest cities, Harlem, Bronx, Brooklyn, New York, Houston, uh, Milwaukee. We've also been overseas a few times. We were in Oslo, Norway in 2002 and did a citywide outreach there. The Nikki comes in at the end and does a crusade. So we're, we're on the street, mm-hmm. we're doing evangelism. We're taking the local church and exposing them to the need and the the, what that's out there. And then Nikki will come in and do a traditional crusade at the end. And I think it was in 2003 or 2005, we were invited to London, England and we were invited uh, by the assemblies of God, but it was also an invitation from the London metropolitan police in Scotland yard. And they, they funded the event, the police. Wow. So we brought a team from New York, there we reached two boroughs in East London that were experiencing, you know, epic levels of knife crime, and we t- trained about three hundred local volunteers. Did six weeks of street evangelism, and the police cost- documented the results. Eighteen hundred people came forward publicly to accept Christ. The last two nights we rented out a nightclub, and Nikki spoke in uh, Hackney in East London. And that was an amazing event. And so uh, what drives us, what drives me personally are are two scriptures that are very familiar, Matthew 9 and Luke 10, um, two scenes of Jesus that I absolutely, absolutely love when he sees, it says, he describes like this, he he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd and they're harassed they were harried in the king james that that, ver, that that word in the greek literally means they were whipped and thrown to the ground they were just absolutely yeah. decimated by by sin and by um, an uncaring but, religious system that was you know keeping them from God so here's jesus if you want to know the heart of christ does he love sinners those mm-hmm. verses tell me yes he does that he sees them he's heartbroken and he does an interesting thing he sees the need and in my mind he turns He's back on the knee temporarily, and he looks at his 12 disciples. He, he looks at them. He goes, "The harvest is truly white, but the laborers are few." Then he says this. He goes, "Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would what? Send forth laborers into his harvest." And so, yeah. as I as I begin to break down those verses, it was the first of all, "Pray to the Lord of the harvest." It's a it's a it's a command in the original language. It's an imperative, and th- there's three words in my mind he could have used in the Greek for prayer, the one he uses is beg. It's like, it's an absolute desperate cry. So he said, you need to have a heart of desperation and beg God that he would send laborers. The word for send laborers, to send, and that's that's kind of anemic. It's ekbalo uh, in the Greek and it literally, it's used 40 plus times to cast out demons. So here's a muscular word that Jesus says, he commands us to have a heart that's broken for the lost and is so desperate. That just as mm-hmm. as demons are cast out, we're to ask God to do that. That He that God would send laborers physically, almost pick us up and throw us into the harvest to bring mm-hmm. the gospel. Romans ten said, "How shall they hear unless there's a preacher?" A preacher. Faith comes yeah. by what? Hearing, hearing by the word. Of, but yeah, so man. the preacher, the pro- proclamation of the gospel is foremost. And so it's not an angry fish saying, "You know, you're you're a sinner. You're going to go to hell." You know, there is a hell. We don't deny hell. We don't deny the reality that but it's a compassionate, brokenhearted, uh, uh, the stand in the gap that Ezekiel talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, opening the hand, instead of the hand of anger as we see the wokeness and the the culture just sliding into chaos and a car wreck of, of a massive humanity that's broken on the side of the road. You know, let's open our hand. God challenges me to open my hand and as an intercessor saying, God pleading for the lost and with the other hand reaching out saying, come and see, A man who, just like the woman at the well, come and see a man who told me everything.
2: Everything. Uh You know, that's so awesome because Deborah McGowan is on from Alaska and she asks a question. I think you've answered it, but I think it's worthy to read out. the, the, With all the rage and reactive anger in politics and the media and in many homes, how do Christians handle conflict and violence without fear of becoming silent and shut down? And I think if you're really, really listening, Deborah, you're hearing it because our argument is Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Mm. It's not to get involved in the political arena. If you want to get involved in the political arena, or sorry, if Christians do, well, you better keep your head down, you know, because you, you, someone's going to attack you because that's the dirty end of politics. But at least if they attack us for preaching the gospel, it's far more noble than than even than any other uh, stand we can make. So I would encourage every Christian. As you listen to Patrick, and as you see, as you said, the wokeism, the spirit of Antichrist that's around the world today, understand we battle not against flesh and blood. So it's not a closed fist against them. It's an open hand of love. And yeah. it's back to the only thing that can change the, 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 the part paradigm is the gospel. It's the only hope. Let's not get into genealogies and arguments <laughs> about either BLM or something else or whatever the, whatever's going on. That's not our call. Our call is Christ Jesus. crucified Mm, preaching mm, the gospel and then use and i love the fact that you're using you know inventive ways with these young people and sometimes you know little people of my generation may not find it altogether, as uh, you know as red hymnal book as you would appreciate it to be but uh, i've I've learned to adapt since i've had teenagers myself (laughs) now young adults and grandchildren all here at the moment so all of a sudden pastor nick has become Little walk themselves <laughs> oh, in, <laughs> the right in the right way. Yeah, right right. right. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so it's so the method, you know, the, the message never changes, and it's <clears throat> it seems old fashioned or or backward looking or you know, just all you know, kind of parochial there, you know, but the gospel never changes. But you know, there's there's methods of presenting the gospel to a generation that, um. I think can maybe lower some of the barriers that people have and misconceptions they have of the church and the gospel. So the lyrics that our, our teams write, you know, the songs are, are worshipful, they're doctrinally sound, they talk about life and the struggle. Most of our, almost all of our art, artists are from broken inner city backgrounds. So that's a, a connection. So we do theater too, spoken word, poetry, dance. Uh, and it's, it's a method, you know, you're when you fish, you know, if you're fishing for, you know, little little trout here you use a small worm but when you're fishing for sharks you know you you know you cut up the smaller fish it's bloody bait so you're, you're the type of bait we throw out is uh, is meant to attract them to the gospel and you you, you know yeah. the when you present the gospel in different forums and venues um, you know it's and if you're in a university setting there's a different way to present the gospel without diluting it you know there's different uh on roads to the gospel that are you know easier on roads for people to hear the gospel and so you know it's it the the simplicity of the gospel is going to win the day and and for the people listening and for myself uh, the the tendency sometimes is to give up to be so overwhelmed with the hopelessness that we see around us and and i think in the the last thirteen months that we've been locked in our house, that's one thing that God has challenged I
2: think that's I think that's what Deborah is is alluring to with with the so much fear, um, yeah. and maybe you might just expand a bit more for her now because I, I know she's she's a woman that loves the Lord, but there's so much fear for Christians with the social dynamic changing, and uh, but. You know, just fear in preaching the gospel too, in the sense that you know it's not an easy time to preach the gospel. Mm. But if I'm going to get beaten up for something, I'd rather get beaten up for that or thrown in prison for that, rather than I'm trying to even save the constitution or save the 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 system that we think has flourished us for a couple of centuries. How would you console there, uh, Patrick? Because there is that—that is a natural. People are overwhelmed now with I, the, the, the huge that. change in America. And, and they don't know quite how to, and I don't blame them. It's very difficult in how to engage them. And you guys are to the fore of that. Give us some comfort. Well,
1: yeah, I think as believers, you know, we can, we're we're susceptible as anybody else to fear and hopelessness and despair. That's why, for me, it's absolutely necessary to have a daily uh, relationship with Christ in Scripture asking the holy spirit to you know i've read i've read the scripture multiple how many times since 1975 when i got saved i don't know but asking the holy spirit to make it alive you know things are jumping out of the page with me and 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 just trusting god so it i there has to be a sense of desperation with us first i think for prayer for worship for uh, intercession uh for to have an open heart a forgiving heart to to, but also to have a heart of faith and trust, and that can only come as the Holy Spirit continues to change me and change us as we see these things around us. Not giving into fear because we, you know we're not given a spirit of fear, and we need to preach the words ourselves. Martin Luther said, "I preach the gospel to myself every day because I need it every day. I forget it, and so Amen. I have to remind myself every day of oh, the gospel." Right. And it's it's Absolutely. it's wonderful that uh, just that, that because that that change that mindset, the overcoming mindset, comes from. Uh, having our minds washed with with Scripture and realizing there's believers out there, you know, all over the world that are struggling and going through the same thing, and to not give up, and to 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 you know to just have a desperation in our prayer to save the lost, and and remember, I, you know, there's there's I was on a website the other day of a a guy we kind of know, and he uh, he you know, th- there's some people that are just really legalistic and heavy-handed, and it was a church and you know, we knew this guy was kind of evangelistic and I checked out his website. The first thing on his website says, 99% of you reading this website are going to hell. I was like, okay, okay. maybe true, but that, that's an interesting opening line. And then- you, is, he,
2: is he sure it's not 99.1? But I you know, yeah, Yeah, I,
1: I thought he underestimated <laughs> the number there, yeah. But then he, he started listening. We are against this, this, this. He even mentioned that the, the churches that closed here in America during the pandemic um, he said those pastors are, are apostates and they're going to hell. Uh, and I'm like, that's really not a win. You know, that, so so the the way you know we have been caricaturized by the world. So, Deborah, first of all, what's an Irish woman doing in Alaska? I want to know that. Um, what, you're freezing up there, Miss Maga- McGall. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would just encourage you not to give up. To to read stories in the Scripture where there were hopeless situations yeah. and yeah. how 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 God. But for, for the grace of God, that yeah. situation was desperate. But God is a miracle-working God. And Nikki, right. like Nikki's life, that he should never have been saved. He, he was expecting to die at the age of 18 or 19. And even after he got saved, um, psychologists would have said because of his broken background, he would have never had a successful marriage. He would have been a, a wife and child abuser. And he's been married almost 60 years, four kids, 10 grandkids, um, three awesome sons-in-law. Um, <laughs> so just, I, I guess, you know, speak words of faith to yourself, speak scripture to yourself. There is violence, there is fear, but think of the history of Christianity. We're a bit my, myopic here. We're, uh, you know, as an American, I'm looking at the last, you know, we think of, uh, Christianity as 1950s, peaceful, you know, bucolic, you know, there are people are mm-hmm. going to churches, white picket fences. And mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. huge <laughs> challenge the church has here is we've really intermarried patriotism with Christianity. So, I, I I think we should all be proud of our countries and we're grateful for uh, the countries in which God has allowed us to live some more than others, of course. Absolutely but, right. But it's not Christianity. You know, when during elections here, there's yard signs that say God's gun in America and I'm like that should never be, you know, so realize that the experience that we have now is a bit unusual because for most of the history of christianity we were abused we were the ones who were persecuted we've never been popular but we were the ones jesus people were the ones who would run into burning buildings we would stay behind as plagues ravaged europe and take Mm -hmm. care of them so so we're, we're a heroic the heroic story of the people of God in the name yeah. of Jesus is a Hallelujah. story remembering. Yeah. Church history, that's why it's great to remember church history. You don't yeah. go, your church history didn't start in 1950 or, or you know, the, the the whenever the Pentecostal movement happened here in America, <laughs> yeah. you know, it yeah. goes, yeah. It goes farther than that. And it's a Middle Eastern story at its root and yeah. then it spread to the world and it continues to spread. So I think there's All coming a, a distillation and a, um, a purification of the body. Um, yeah. That, I, you know, I, that, yeah. that they're sightseers but i think that the, the you know there's people going to be falling away but don't don't give up hope i'm sorry hallelujah, I, hallelujah. I
0: remember i remember as, as a younger christian going out to the streets and being full of fear full mm-hmm. of fear of uh rejection and and i remember like we got beat up on the streets different times as well and and, yes. and i remember um been, been fear of fi- having a fear of failure as well of, of yeah. being inadequate to to share the gospel and unworthy mm. um, and uh, and I guess i I learned over the years that 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 when we will take our place and and when we will be willing to share the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit comes and helps us yeah. you know and he meets us in those moments and and the miraculous happens all of a sudden mm. you forget about your fears, you forget about yourself. Yeah. And and the concern for others takes over, the the love for the lost actually becomes real, a real experience in your in your heart as the Holy Spirit moves mm-hmm. moves through you, and and I know many times God God blessed us and and did things He would open doors that were shut and mm. I'm sure there's many many stories you can tell us, Patrick, about how you know God just opened opened things up and uh, allowed you to move into areas that you should never have moved into. You might just share some of those that will just encourage people if they will step into this. Well, oh, I think we'll he's, open the door.
1: Yeah. you said you said a really profound thing there. And I still I, you know, I, you know I've been doing this 30 years ago on the street. I, every time we do a street outreach, we do it three times a day. You know, in the evenings when we're doing these events, I'm 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 gripped by fear and inadequacy. Yeah. I think if we ever lose that sense of, you know, maybe not just crippling fear, but, it kind of, you know, just, you know, anxiety and also the sense of inadequacy. I think if we lose that and start thinking. I'm all that and I could do it. That's when you're in trouble. I think it's okay yeah. if you're fearful and inadequate because it's not us. You meant you said it very well, just that I think it's when you, you know, God says, open your mouth and I will fill it. And so that mm-hmm. there, there's mm-hmm. those times as we step out in faith outside of comfort um, and, and proclaim the gospel. We tell the story. We're storytellers. We tell the story mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, there's a story in the in the New Testament when the when the children in the temple started crying Hosanna and everything when when they saw the miracles, the children responded and they saw, oh my gosh, we have a Messiah here in our hands where the religious leaders missed it. And Jesus yeah. quotes the Psalms and says, have you never read with out of the mouths of babes, babes and suckling infants, thou, thou hast perfected praise. Um, the, uh, 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 a more interesting translation in my mind, is that it says you that could, you could translate it like this, out of the mouth of babes, you have equipped them to tell a story because the word for uh, story and praise is very similar. Oh, no. So we're storytellers and, and you don't need to have a Nikki Cruz story or a David Wilkerson's, your story, my story, we're sinners who are in need of a savior. And another thing in proclaiming the gospel, you know, I, I hear the word preach and everything. And I, in my mind, I tend to see a preacher who's, Haranguing of people and, and speaking on sin, where we do speak on sin and about sin because of its devastating and eternal lethal effects on humans, um, the word you know to preach um, in in the is is proclamation. So it's mm-hmm. it's it, we're proclaiming a story. Yeah. We're proclaiming yeah. a truth. A truth and the truth is you're a sinner with in need of a savior. There's no hope yet god himself became a man somehow miraculously was born lived a sin you know we tell the gospel story how he he was beaten and bruised he was so disfigured isaiah said he didn't even look human he was hanging naked on a cross i know human nature well enough to know the insults that were hurled at him as he lay there naked probably losing control of his bodily functions on himself this is Mm -hmm. your messiah this is your savior he loved you so much that he did this but he didn't stay dead he came back to pay uh, a, yeah, sin yeah. a penalty that you couldn't pay for. This is good news. Mm. You know, you could look anywhere else, but this is good news. And so, oh, yeah, man. on the streets, we you know we see miracles all the time. Every time a person opens up and comes to Christ, it's a miracle. It's a sovereign yeah. miracle as great as any miracle you can read in mm. the New Testament or the Bible in its whole. So, but, That's yeah, powerful. Staying humble. I love what you said, Pastor Stephen, that, that sense of in, inadequacy because— without christ we are you, is forget all the degrees and all the letters after a name if you know it, it's, it's it's only jesus
2: Hallelujah. Yeah. you know you, just to go back to something you said earlier because i think it's important as well because there's a lot of ministers will watch today's broadcast during the week and again we're delighted that they will um when you said christian defending christianity or patriotism and it's it's interesting to know and you you're the bible scholar that when, when Jesus arrived uh, uh, into the, in the Israel at the time, they, ha- they had taken what was a s- sacred deposits of truth, even circumcision, the, the mark of the covenant, and they had so turned it into a, a nationalism uh, that became aggressive. So it, it wasn't really about what these truths were anymore. It was mm-hmm. more about their status and their nationalistic pride and, uh, and the two became very convoluted because there's so much tr- kind of truth mixed in with these things. Uh, and I think it's it's time for us to separate, truly again, another separation of church and state, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of yeah. where we are We're now kind of saying, listen, we don't rest upon the, the offices of governance of the country. We we preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I, I think that's where we are heading. I think we are... And for someone like your dear pastor Nick on screen today that's torturous for me because I'm a study of history and I love politics I'm yeah. a political animal and, now, and and when and when the climate was right, that was great, but now I'm saying the real wokeism to the Christian church should be that we are a standalone yeah. on Christ only we're not on this yeah. side we're not on that side we're on his side you know? mm-hmm. and he's not on our side we're on his side That's People right, right. yeah'm right. you know yep. saying so I think, and I think we have to garner. Um, encouragement in our spirits. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yeah. You know, what you said is the pivotal point for every watch person. We, you know, when Isaiah said, who shall believe our report? Mm-hmm. Well, who will ever believe it if we don't believe it first? So mm-hmm. I need to remind myself what the report is, what the yeah. gospel is. Yeah. And yeah. with my confidence, that's all I stand for. And yeah. I want to say that's a huge step for me to say, because I would be a one-nighter. like oh, let's chain the kids to city hall and re- reopen our churches and uh, <laughs> let's block the traffic and start singing some hymns, hymns in the middle of Patrick street here in Cork and get churches open that way. And it's, let's, let's, you know, whatever, but that's not, my ways, not yours. I yeah. truly believe that th- there is going to come a conviction back into the hearts of the common Christian. Yeah. That, not that any of us should be common, but let's say that you're your regular Joe in the church Mm-hmm. That you're either believe this message or you don't, and if you do, you go for broke. Yeah, go all out for
1: What else do you have to do? You know, what in the light of eternity? What a, you know this is the the beauty of what we've been called to is that it's eternal, and and you yeah, know, people like us, Jesus plugged us out of nowhere, in our our our, yeah. our quick descent into hopelessness and despair and hell and an eternal separation from God, and He saved us sovereignly for a for a reason for such a time as this. And I think if we can get a, um, a historic, you know, I love that you're a historian, Pastor Nick, that, that and, and church history is beautiful. And I think it's it's extremely valuable to remember church history, what, you know, and the, and the creeds, even what these creeds came about because of struggles with Jesus' divinity or his humanity. Mm-hmm. And all these things are important for us to remember, but the people on the street don't care about creeds and about doctrine, about hymns. Mm-hmm. They just, they're, they're hopeless and dying. And so I think... Uh, for me a couple of things are, are, are you know staying close to Christ asking him to break my heart for the lost and uh. one image I, I try to keep in my mind is the image of John the beloved at the when at the at the last Supper when he was the one leaning' it's, it's a very intimate scene you know it's not mm-hmm. it's not super masculine but in a way it is <laughs> where he's leaning his head against the chest of Jesus and it's just it's just so it's so gorgeous in in the imagery yeah. and i think I, and in my mind's eye i'm thinking like okay he's hearing the heartbeat of the creator oh of all that is the <laughs> all that is seen and unseen and he's hearing the heartbeat mm. and and he remembers he remembers that heart how it beat when he saw the the woman at the well and spoke to her when he saw the when he raised the girl from the dead when he you know when he healed the lepers and the blind and the lame the heartbeat and so keep it's absolutely absolutely Vital that I keep my head against the heart of Jesus against the chest of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, huh? um, to re- to remember his heart broke God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to the yeah. knowledge of Christ and so so that desperation but intercession is key and critical and sometimes prayer just seems like you know I, I feel like I'm slogging through prayer and stuff and the list of people and everything but prayer is, is powerful. It's one of the weapons, or one of the, the you know, the, the, the helmet of salvation. It's one of, it's the heavy artillery, you know, mm-hmm. and I think asking yeah. God for a, a sense yeah. of faith, because, you know, Paul said, I, I pray that God will give them a, a repentance unto salvation. So we, I pray that God will bind the m- mind of those who, the God of this age who is blinding them, bind the this, this spirit, and that God will grant them repentance unto salvation. God will grant yeah. them a conviction Amen. of sin, and God will grant them a fear of Amen. God. Yeah. And so that's all we can do, but that's it. That's enough. And so just the <laughs> willingness to 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 pray in spite of you know you're wanting to be angry at what you see on TV and how dare people mm-hmm. do this, how dare people try to divide us, but they're broke and they're blinded, they're lost. There's a you know mm-hmm. th- that's all we but we can do a lot. It seems like nothing, but it's everything. the 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 access we have to the King of the Universe through Christ, through our through our Messiah, through our High Priest is priceless i mean it's 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 priceless and so god uh, you know responds to that he responds to i look for a man a woman among them who would stand in the gap We're gap standards were storytellers yeah. and we get to see the beauty of god working through us through little us through just speaking words of faith out of fear and inadequacy and we get to see jesus continue to save people in this dark and desperate times
2: yeah what a what a wonderful gospel huh? I mean nah. how how privileged to I mean they're on about white privilege today. I want to tell you I would tell you I'm gospel privileged yes, to be brought right. into yeah. the kingdom. <laughs> undeserving uh, you know deserving of hell and death and and then to be privileged to be able to make him known to other people because when I make an assessment and you would do the same brothers I'm sure when you assess your life I've been to the Caribbean and I've I go I go on a holiday and none of it it's all like straw in your mouth compared to serving yeah. and sharing Christ with people, that is like just it. the number one It's and at yeah. the end of the day, they take everything away from us, they can't take that away we can still share Christ, we can still to our dying breath, you know here yeah. I stand, I can do no more so help me God, you know yeah. who said that <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
0: do <laughs> Here, Ger, Jerry asked the question Jerry asked the question um, when is truth coming to Ireland next? You know, what? what's the date? Patrick,
1: tomorrow we're we're actually we're flying (laughs) we're flying out tonight. So uh, you know we the last event we did because it's um, we don't have a year-round program. We'll put a team together when we get an invitation from the city. The last event we did was in 2019 in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, which is uh, near Lancaster. It's in Amish country, not just outside of Philadelphia. So that was the last event we did in 2020. We had planned uh, to have gone to Brooklyn, New York um to do an outreach there with a large church um but of course COVID happens so we don't have a team right now we have we have uh, our artists that are ready to go so we have no plans at this time we'd love to come back uh to europe and uh, ireland would be awesome to join to stand shoulder to shoulder with uh, you well, all. So
2: well, well we're going to put it in the diary for sure let okay. me tell you an, uh, let me tell you an amish joke before you go okay, okay. <laughs> what what Oh, I just gave away my <laughs> Do joke. Do we have to edit this say... out, Kira? No, no. Okay, what goes clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, bang, bang, clip, clop, clip, 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 clop I have no idea. An Amish driveway. <laughs>
1: <gasps> I love it.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I'll, I'm going to steal that joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh part of good ask you to pray for us please, ah, before good. we go off screen but um yeah. would you please convey to, to nicky uh from another nicky uh how much i miss him i, I think for me the last 12 months a sadness came into me because sometimes when you're in the middle of the COVID 19 you think you're never going to see people that you love and affectionate for like yourself for instance i i, I when am i going to see patrick dow again when are yeah. we going to see mike patello and pastor carter and the, you know, and Nikki and all these people. And I, I went through these sort of melancholic moments myself mm. because we're, we're all locked in our homes. And we're trying to we're trying to exhort the body, and um, you have to break through in victory that uh, we're only parted, you know, momentarily, and we have an eternity to tell our stories together. Yeah. And I'm looking forward, you know, to you know hearing all those great stories from Nikki Cruz, one on one, mm. either here or there. But it's a great victory to know that that. Uh, regardless of COVID nineteen, that there is a bond in the spirit that we have, uh, and yeah. uh, it's a bond mm-hmm. that transcends um, anything this world throws at us. Because yeah, we don't, we are not just about three score and ten years. Yeah, we have a fervent belief that this gospel we've preached all our lives, and no, most of our lives, is absolutely true, and it's live, it's as true in death as it is in life. And, and it's a, you know, there's a destiny of ages for us to serve the Lord, not just the lockdown time where you feel kind of quite useless. But I, I, so I just want to encourage the people. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, Patrick, uh, you know, when I got to know you over the years, my first impression of you, amazing first impressions. Let me tell you, it's not a funny story. <laughs> the first impression, I met Patrick, the first time I ever met him, you don't remember this, but I came to preach in Colorado Springs when Pastor Gary yeah. was a senior pastor there. And uh, of course, I came looking like little, little Lord you with my suit and tie, in me. and I reserved the right to wear my suit and tie aye, again. Of course. And uh, and and I met him at a party. Was really nice, And he goes, he says, "Hey, Bell, what do you do with that tie on you?" Big, just making a joke. You don't remember that? Yeah, yeah. I made a joke with my tie, you know. And uh, and I said, he said, <laughs> in my spirit I never said that there was just a joke you laugh off the moment and I, and it was amazing just to get you know in that moment uh, one of the finest Christian men I know a, a man that's been serving the Lord faithfully you know, and selflessly for years and every time I encounter you Patrick or anybody that knows you knows you to be that And so we celebrate the, our friendship our connection with Nikki Cruz and mm-hmm. Truth Outreach and um Thank you so much for just hopping on today. It's been very early in the morning, something like 5 30 in the morning for him over there, guys, and was willing to get up and, and be with us today. But uh, pass on to Nikki and Gloria. I, even though I've, I've, I've got the victory that um, if we, <laughs> we'd always see each other in eternity, Amen. I do want to see him side of eternity as well, and you, my Amen. friend. So God bless you. Thank you very much. Pray for the Irish Church and the Irish leaders. Perfect. And pray I, for I'll, the I'll close this out after. God bless
1: you. Amen. Father God, Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We, we yes, love God. you. We love the fact that we can have access. We can come boldly into the presence of the King of the yes. Universe in our time Alleluia. of need, not just in the good times, Jesus. but in all the times you welcome us. Alleluia. And I ask, I ask first of all that you would bless my brothers, Pastor mm. Pastor Nick and Pastor Steve and their family from the court church and the church Alleluia. all over Alleluia. Ireland, the, this nation that you love. Like. And we Jesus. thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for yes. your goodness. So. And we stand at the crossroads and we ask to see the ancient ways. We want to see a move of God again. Yes. And in the midst of the onslaught. everything that has been unleashed from hell. We, we, don't, we don't cower in fear. Oh. We do it our own flesh, Hallelujah. but in the in yes. the spirit in the, of God, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit Thank in you, our Lord. lives, Thank we you. stand in faith and we ask God, open their eyes. God, break Thank the hearts. So we ask the fullness Make of the it Gentiles. Yes, it would be yes. an in-gathering of souls. We, do, yeah. we also pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until yes. you Hallelujah. do, we keep our hands to the plow. And I pray for the people who are listening, the pastors, their families, and the people all over the world who are listening, mm. that you would just breathe on the right now just in this moment Mm. through this zoom broadcast this 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 uh this Bizarre, unnatural broadcast over the computer where we're not mm-hmm. in person, that you would touch them, remind yes, them, speak Lord. to them. And I pray that they would reach out in faith to you, that they would stand on the word of God, that they would Jesus. believe and that they would offer themselves as living Hallelujah. sacrifices. We Hallelujah. would offer ourselves as living sacrifices, offering Lord. and bringing forth the praises of him who brought Amen. us out of darkness. We thank you that the word of God is powerful. It's sharp and active. It's living and active. And we ask that you would give us uh, uh compassionate, and boldness and, and, and Hallelujah. confidence in Christ, yes, in Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. bless Pastor Nick bless the Cork Church oh, all the God. team there oh, the, the family there, the youth there Pastor Patrick and all the things that are happening yes, in the yes, Cork, Cork Church God I pray for an outpouring of your spirit mm. in these days mm. in these days when it seems like all the world is going to be at war at any moment we know that oh. Jesus is triumphant and all that he His is the Lord, Lord of all. There is a king of kings and a Lord of lords. We celebrate him And we could think of nothing else to do with our lives than to serve mm. You with our dying. Lord, God. God. Yes, Lord. Bless us this day. Our family, the work that you've Thank called Lord. us to in Jesus' Thank name. You, Father.
2: And Father, we just lift up Lord Brother Nicky, Lord, and Patrick, Lord, yes, and Lord. the entire ministry of Cruise Ministries and, and Truce, Lord God. Mm. Lord, keep your hand continually upon them. Lord, Jesus. let them always sense your presence. Never, Lord, be a moment in their life that they can say, ne- they'd always be able to say, Never once have we ever walked alone. Never once, Lord, have you left yes, us alone. But they will know you, Lord, and the journey with you. Bless the ministry, Lord. Jesus. May many sons come to righteousness, Lord, through their pro the proclamation of the gospel of oh yes, God. Lord. Protect them, Lord. Give Nikki great health and stamina yes, and Lord. strength, oh God. To fill, and to finish strong, O oh God, to finish the race, as for all of us, oh God, to finish this race strong, Lord, and to the very end. Jesus, thank you for today's Jesus. streams in the depths of Lord. We pray for those who may be watching now or later, God, that you would minister to their lives, O oh God, to their families, to their churches, oh God. And we thank you again, Lord, yes. for the honor of being brought into your family, oh God, and the uniqueness of this great family that's throughout the world, oh God. We bless you, mm. and we thank you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Again, Patrick, God bless you. Steve, God bless you. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. See you at Cork Church, 11 o'clock Sunday morning for Part 3 of the New Covenant. Amen.
1: Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at courtchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.courtchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.